was a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a cold of silence and it can't go on. I'm Alan Swartz, and this is Cutting to the Matrix on March the 9th, 2010. For the newcomers, you should look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Scroll down, bookmark all the other shows I have listed there, or the other sites I have listed there for future use, because once in a while, some of them go down. I had two go down last night, and I haven't figured out why yet. So this happens once in a while, so if you have all the other ones bookmarked, you can always download the latest shows and listen to them for free. Remember, it's cutting through uh, the matrix.com, .org, .net, .us, .ca. There's Alan Watt cutting through the matrix.ca. There's cutting through .jankness.com. And there's Alan Watt sentient, sentinel.eu, which is the European site. has all the same audios for download, but it's got addition of transcripts for downloads. Uh, for a lot of the talks I've given in the past, and you can choose from the various languages of Europe print them up, pass them around to your friends, or read them at your leisure. And remember, too, that you're the audience who bring me to you. And I don't get paid directly by advertisers like most uh, hosts do. That's how they get their money. And this way I don't have to bring people on the show as guests who will inform you of certain things. But at the same time, uh, it's a selling technique, uh, and that's all fair and well in this system. But I've got a free hand this way. The ads you hear on this show are paid directly by the advertisers directly to the station, RBM, for the broadcast, their airtime, and for their equipment staff and their bills. And everyone's got bills. So you've got to keep me going by, let's say, buying the things I have for sale at cuttingthroughmatrix.com. There's books, there's discs. Some of the discs have 50 shows in them, stuff like that going way back. And uh, the books that they are, are different. They're lin- written in a linear fashion, non-linear fashion, I should say to try and break through the conditioning of the system uh, which indoctrinates us from school onwards. And we do. We actually can. We're very predictable in the way that we think through our logic, just like a computer with our program and our language. It's a science. So I try to break that uh, through that by showing you how it's done in the book form. You can can order these through uh, different means. There's Western Union outside of Canada. There's MoneyGram. There's cash, there's PayPal for donations and for orders. If you want to order anything through PayPal, just uh, give me your order along with the PayPal donation, just a separate email with the order, and I'll get it out to you. From the U.S. to Canada, personal checks are fine, and you can also send international postal money order from your post office. It's a good stress, international. The green one, I should say, is the internal one only, so don't get that one. And also, um, it's the outside of America, same idea, MoneyGram, Western Union, or you can send cash or PayPal. It's up to you. But I do depend upon you to keep me going and to get through these times. We find that we're going through such massive changes right now. I don't know how many people really 
are suffering or feeling the effects of them, even the ones who are kind of feeling the pinch as money is devalued and they call it inflation. Uh, but they still survive, they still play, they still surf the net and do whatever they, they do to pass the time. In other words, routines aren't disrupted enough to make them really sit up and take notice. Um, I wonder how many really know what's really, really happening in the world. Because even the things I talk about here, uh, by showing you the big plans, the agenda, and the organizations, by using their own information to inform you, I wonder how real it is to most people out there. How real it is. Back with more after these messages. So once two parents 
uh, produce just one child, you're really literally having the population in a generation. That's the whole idea of it. And it's not because, um, as I say, that uh, the world isn't big enough. It's not that there's too many people either. It's that those who rule the world believe in evolution. And they believe that all those who are dependent, who have been made dependent, I should say, upon the state, especially over the last 50, 60, 70 years, are really now obsolete. We're past or post, we're post-industrial. They also say we're post-democratic, so they don't even bother to give us much of an idea of democracy anymore, now that we're all really under a form of martial law, under the guise of a war on terror. And, of course, the war on terror was intended from the, the outset to give uh, this, this global alliance the right to do what they're doing right now. It also is designed to um, teach the public to adapt to a war scenario, a war-type scenario, where you don't have the right that you used to have, even the right to complain. At least we used to bitch to each other once in a while when things were bad. Most folk don't even do that anymore. I can remember when people would start complaining to each other about the price of gasoline, the pumps and stuff like that. Now we can go up 20 cents and no one says a thing. Or for anything else that matter that you buy at the stores, everything's going up and up. So we adapt very, very well, all through sciences, all understood at the top, and the public at the bottom generally haven't a clue. And the, and the unfortunate thing about us, too, is that we've lost contact with our continuity of where we came from, where we are, and where we're going. We don't really care what happens to the next generation down the road. That's how selfish everyone's been taught to be. Now remember, that's exactly what some of the big players that helped devise this system a long time ago wrote about, like Lord Bertrand Russell, he said, we shall encourage um, egocentric behavior, egocentric behavior, selfishness and hedonistic behavior, and that splits up the connectiveness between people and generations and families and friends and all the rest of it. That's happened already. You even see that in the movies that they churn out because we adapt to what we see on the movies. We copy it, we mimic it, in fact. And there's how many characters in there who you could possibly, anybody can possibly bond with. They're all, uh, we used to call them hard men, guys who were just uh, the big muscle men, the hard men. And uh, everyone's into themselves. That's really how it's even portrayed in movies today. Because the old way is out, the new way is in, and we copy what we see like monkeys. Now, the media itself is, of course, partly to blame from our point of view, but on the other hand, it's only if you believe that the media is really there to inform you as to what is really going on in the world. I was thinking about it the other night where I was thinking about all the big world meetings that's been held and how you can get access to uh, their documents that they turn out after the meetings to do with integration, globalization, the transfer of wealth, the transfer of labor between countries, uh, migration, all that kind of stuff, the Agenda 21. Um, you can see how it actually works, and you live through it working, in fact. And even then, a lot of people are oblivious to it, or they don't really care as long as they can play. And that's really what I mean. Uh, it truly is play. People don't want the bad news. They hope to get through this life without anybody touching them, 
They hope to get to a pensionable age, retire, go fishing if they're allowed to with a permit, and, uh, and then die quietly in their sleep. That's what most folk truly, truly hope for. The young don't think about that at all. They think they'll live forever. We all do when we're a certain age. That's what the military depends upon. So everybody and every generation is turned is actually worked upon in their kinds and targeted by media and propaganda. And I say the media's job is not to inform you. Media is there to give you trivia, really, and to give you um, a very vague outline of the world meetings and what they're all about, as I say. And yet you can still go into these world meetings from their own sites and find out what they're really about. You say, my God, are these journalists just illiterate or water? Or do they read this stuff? Well, of course they read it, but their job is not to get you worried about anything. It's not supposed to worry about anything. If you worry, you might get active and do something about it and, and complain and all that kind of stuff. So they give you very vague outlines about what's really going on. And they also want to make you think that everything's just being debated in your lifetime right now, whereas these big world meetings are just shows for the media and the public themselves. All the organization, all the drafting up of agendas, all the signing of them is done years before they have the actual show meetings for all the NGO uh, groupies. And I got to laugh too at the media and how they turn out trivia, utter trivia and diversions and nonsense, as though we had no brain at all. And perhaps, unfortunately, a lot of folk have no brain. Because remember, too, that Russell and all these boys said that they would train the public that they couldn't think for themselves. They'd have to go and ask the experts how uh, everything's done. That, that's happened in so many areas. It's, it's astonishing. The folk are, to, are so stupid. They have to ask the experts, or they believe them. All you have to say is expert. Now, expert says, and you don't even need the name of the expert. It doesn't matter. It's like a priesthood. Now, here's, here's a beauty right here, as though it's something brand new, uh, and it's from the Mail Online. Teenage boys watching hours of internet pornography every week are treating their girlfriends like sex objects. Well, well, wow, who'd have thunk, eh? Who would have thunk about that? I mean, thank goodness we got the media to tell us, which should be rather obvious to everybody who's alive right now, Everybody who's alive right now. And this is from 6th of March, 2010. English verb to chaperone comes from the French noun chaperon, protector, and it's first recorded in Jane Austen's novel Sense and Sensibility, first published in 1811. So someone's writing a little, a little treatise here, so an idea, some novice, I guess. Then the reputation of a young woman was considered so precious that she was protected at all times if a male accompanied by the presence of another woman, a chaperon. In Jane Austen's world, a young woman and a young man were rarely, if ever, left alone together. Two hundred years later, with sexual and feminist revolutions behind us all, promoted from the top, we are in a world where there are few, if any, boundaries in place to protect a woman's honor. That's how they start off this spiel here. Women are free to behave as they wish, sleep with whomever they wish, and the vast amounts of sexual content on TV and in films attest to that. Though, actually, they copy what they see on TV. Uh, and that they attest of what they say. In fact, many women would argue that the very idea of being chaperoned is restrictive and demeaning, and yet among today's teenage girls, the chaperone has made a surprising and, as we shall see, a disturbing comeback. Today's chaperone is called in teen speak a third wheel, 
is not being forced on girls by concerned or controlling adults worried about honor and etiquette. The third wheel, the verb is to third wheel, has been reinvented by the girls themselves because they want protection from the sexual demands of their boyfriends. So we, the offshoot of it is is that their boys are wanting them to do the same things that they see in the porno movies, you see. It's to cut to the, to the chase here. However, I've got to mention, too, this is media. Media is show business. I hope you understand that. All media is show business, including what you think is your news. Now, explain about this article when I come back, how it's show business. Back after this break. Uh, apparently, so they need uh, all the immigration 
coming in all the time in order to pay off the national debts of countries. That's the excuses, as official excuses were given for it. But at the same time, remember that free trade is not free for it's really selective international corporations and free movements of labor that goes with the same charter for globalization the GATT Treaty is not the free mobilization either of immigrants. It's selective immigrants, those gradually who will be needed by international corporations only. The rest of us will all be stuck within our safe and secure borders, uh, patrolled by guys in black outfits and machine guns watching over us, and we won't be able to move from where we are. That's what's coming down the pipe. Here's an article from the Globe and Mail here. It says, as countries shut out migrants, Canada's warned it will become the new safe harbor for immigrants. As jobs disappear, host countries are lowering immigration quotas to trim welfare roles and quell potential anti-immigrant feeling. And this is from also in Reuters as well as on the National from the Globe and Mail. It says, the worst recession in a generation has already played havoc with the job market housing prices, and the banking system. Now it's doing the same with something else, the worldwide movements of people. The world's wealthiest nations, from Japan to Spain to Australia, are cutting immigration targets to protect fragile labor markets and encouraging itinerant workers to leave. Only Canada has refused to adjust immigration levels in response to the down, downturn. <laughs> I love the terms, a downturn. It's a darn disaster for the public. But it's a win-win-win for the globalists because this is what they planned a long time ago. They knew that when they, before they signed the GATT Treaty, well, if all the factories leave, what will happen to the workers? Uh, let me think now. It's another panel to work on that one. This uh, outlier status has led to concern amongst burden officials, border officials of the country's sympathetic refugee system and generous social programs will make it a prime target for migrants rejected elsewhere. Well, it already has been for years. A government intelligence document described as sensitive and not for public distribution. I love how governments are there, you know, for open democracies and stuff. Warns that more migrants from Africa, Asia, Eastern Europe, and Latin America could opt to come to Canada rather than Western Europe or the United States. The report refers to both legal applicants and those who tried to enter illegally. We're planning for the economic recovery. What? Economic recovery. We're planning for the economic recovery, it says. I can't believe what I'm reading. Uh, cutting immigration's levels is a short-term measure, said Alkan Velshi, uh, spokesman for Citizenship and Immigration Minister Jason Kennedy, or Kenny. At the same time, Mr. Velshi said Canada must guard against those who would try to enter illegally. We see a lot of things in Canada. Asylum claims in Canada increased dramatically in 2008 and were on pace for another increase in 2009 until visa restrictions were slapped on travellers from Mexico and the Czech Republic, he said. Individuals who may not be feeling a fleeing persecution are drawn to Canada because of our overly generous asylum system. Asylum used to be a mental place where you went people crazy. Now apparently it's for refugees. Mr. Bush said, human trafficking rings in Canada and the Czech Republic, for example, were encouraging people to make refugee claims in Canada. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.
eyes folks, Mr. Allen Watt were cutting through the matrix. Just reading about emigration and how to start to talk about it for the first time before nothing apparently was a problem. And suddenly it's a, a problem. And, uh, of course, it's, it's all part of the, the big ID thing that's coming up for everyone. But that's really what's behind a lot of this stuff. This article here is still about immigration, but it's about Australia this time. It's from AustralianNews.net. It says, Melbourne, March the 1st. Six out of ten Australians don't want more people. More than 60% of Australians participating in a poll said the federal government should not go ahead with plans to increase the country's population from 22 million to 35 million by 2050, largely through immigration. According to the AAP, a majority of the 1,000 people surveyed by Essential Research late last month thought the environment was too fragile to cope with more people and there was not enough space for them. So I guess they're catching you only have to use an environment to, to get something through. The government wants to boost the population because it means more young taxpayers to pay for the high costs of an aging population. The same old rubbish have been foisting on the public across Europe for the last 20, 30 years. It says the public, however, aren't buying the economic argument either. Just over half of those surveyed thought that more people would not help the economy. Paul also found that just over half the respondents, 51%, approved of the government's plan to means test the rebate for private health cover. A third of respondents opposed the plan. There's also everybody who set up this, these national health services across the world through the British Commonwealth system. They were never set up, number one, to cope uh, with the people they have today, the amount of people they have. They definitely are not meant to cope with the amount of immigrants who also come straight in, often with extended families, and go straight for treatment. Uh, not only that, when you have a government health system, you also have massive cutbacks. And where do they cut back first? It's in the healthcare system. And, of course, they always, they always seem to never have enough money because they've always got other wars to go and fight and steal oil and stuff. So... Uh, you can never ever get anything back from the government to give you a token eventually of health care and that's what of course we're going to bring to the US as well but where's it all going with this uh, sudden sudden noticing of immigration by governments it says well here it is it's from the, the wallstreetjournal.com ID cards for worker is at center of immigration plan uh, lawmakers working to craft a new comprehensive immigration bill have settled on a way to prevent employers from hiring illegal immigrants. A national biometric identification card, then it goes on to say the little bits very important, all American workers would eventually be required to obtain. I love that. Three, three words there snuck in there that's all important. Under the potentially controversial plan still taking shape in the Senate, all legal U.S. workers, including citizens and immigrants, would be issued an ID card with embedded information, such as fingerprints, to tie the card to the worker. The ID card plan is one of several steps advocates of an immigration overhaul are taking to address concerns that have defeated similar bills in the past. Now, they've tried to get the ID card bill through in a, a hundred different guises, so this is the latest one. The uphill effort to pass a bill is being led by Senators Chuck Schumer, and Lindsey Graham, who plans to meet with President Barack Obama as soon as this week to update him on their work. An administration official said the White House had no position on the biometric card. <laughs> oh, boy. It's the, oh, I love, I love, I love, uh, I love show business. Right? Show business is 
is wonderful, these characters that uh, uh, rule us. It's the nub of solving the immigration dilemma, politically speaking, Mr. Schumer said in an interview. The card, he said, would directly answer concerns that after regulation is, legislation is signed, another wave of illegal immigrants would arrive. You say they can't get a job when they come here, you'll stop it, he says. The biggest objections to the biometric cards may come from privacy advocates who fear they would become de facto national ID cards. So someone's still thinking, thank goodness, that enable the government to track citizens. It's fundamentally a massive invasion of people's privacy. Well, what's left to invade, eh, folks? What's left to invade? As I say, we adapt and we adapt and we adapt to every totalitarian part of this big agenda that's rammed down our throats. Most folks sleepwalk right through it. And I've read article after article after article about them going into all of your data on your computers. By legally, it doesn't matter if it's legal or not legal. Whatever they do is legal as far as the governments are concerned, the agencies. When they first gave you computers, they made sure there were backdoor entries through all the Windows programs and, and so on. For that very purpose. It was not so you could just go and play. It was definitely to put you into a vague state of mind, but it, uh, it wasn't for your own goods. It was to make it easier for them to watch every single person in a totalitarian society. Any change in your behavior and a sudden change in what you're viewing is of interest to those who manage you and rule you. They want you to be predictable. Everyone must be predictable in a totalitarian society. So anyway, this goes on here. We're not only talking about fingerprinting every American, treating ordinary Americans like criminals in order to work. We're also talking about a card that would quickly spread from work to voting to travel to pretty much every aspect of American life that requires identification. Mr. Graham says he respects these concerns, yeah, right, but disagrees. We've all got social security cards, he said. They're just easily tampered with. Make them tamper-proof, that's all I'm saying. Which is all rubbish, too, because you know darn well that there are countries in the world that can copy any darn thing that's made. Anything at all. Anything. U.S. employers now have the option of using an online system called E-Verify to check their potential employees are in the U.S. illegally. Many Republicans have pressed to make the system mandatory, but others, including Mr. Schumer, complain that the existing system is ineffective. Last year, White House aides said they expected to push immigration legislation in 2010, but with health care and unemployment dominating its attention, the president has given little indication the issue is a priority. Rather, Mr. Obama said he wanted to see bipartisan support from Congress first. So far, Mr. Graham is the only Republican to voice interest publicly and he wants at least one other GOP co-sponsor to launch the effort. So uh, here you go, as I say, they're on a roll now to mention immigration, but it won't stop or slow immigration. It's really to get everybody else ID'd. That, that's the real, prop, the real thing about it. Eventually, the ID card will be like the Soviet Union or Nazi Germany. You'll, be, you'll have to show your past at different places, checkpoints, to, to go anywhere outside your designated area. That is the world as it's coming down the pipe. Most folk won't mind, they'll adapt to it. They'll their bar here, they'll have their, their little strip joints there. Most folk live in the cities now, and, and shortly everyone will live in the cities because that is the agenda. Uh, and the, they're demolishing already, going to demolish um, all the old factory towns, the suburbs, 
to wilderness areas. And that means everyone else must move into the already overcrowded cities. There's so much, so much that's going on, as I say, that you sometimes you almost despair of it all, but at the same time, this has been going on all your life. Even our behavior is modified as we go along, and people don't even know that most of the things they do themselves has been authorized and promoted from the top, even their hobbies. I can remember when they brought yoga in. I can remember when the whole New Age thing was being pushed from the top down, not from the bottom up, and promoted to music, uh, definitely to get the young into it. That's what you always do, get the next generation, the ones that really matter, indoctrinated and going along with the new way. doesn't matter about the old folk, they'll die off. And that's what they've done every 20 years or so. Again, go for the youth for the next, the next phase, the next phase, the next phase. But the new age came in, and I can remember when the, the Maharishi was doing his rounds all over Europe and raking in the cash, and again promoted and getting lots of airtime on TV and the BBC and all the big boys. That, obviously, is something which is a mandate. You just don't get all that promotion. If they want to ignore you, they will ignore you. And the, eventually there was objections because people realized he was pushing a religion. It was Hinduism, you see. Uh, under the, the, the meditation and the yoga and all the rest of it. So then they came back eventually after a couple of years and, and introduced new scientific techniques for, for reducing stress and stuff like that. And now, of course, uh, I, don't, I think half the world's population go to their yoga classes and they don't realize it's all part of a religion. Our behavior is constantly modified, but it's by design because they have to destroy all the old religions to bring in this new one, and including the promiscuity and all the rest of the stuff that goes with it. Because no one bonds within a promiscuous society except for a few minutes, and that's it. Also, you've got to always remember, too, how we're managed and manipulated. A good example is China. China never really has been a country acknowledged for its individualists. It's not a, an individualistic-type country. It's a, a place where the group, the people, are, are the ones that matter. And, in fact, you can hide in the group. You can lose yourself in the group. You have no real responsibility except to the group, and the group will make sure it will handle problems around you, for you. So, in a sense, the trade-off is you lose yourself in a group. Same in the military. It's all the same techniques that are used. There's an article here about how they're now creating on the Internet and being allowed to by China's government, which means it's mandated by the government, a form of harassing people who put up uh, certain types of videos on the Internet, which really upsets anybody in any country. And they give you an example here to get it all going about a woman who has got a video up and actually kills a kitten with her high heel shoe. And then they, 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 they show you how the people are now searching for the person. They find her, she loses her job, and so on. However, they're encouraging more and more of this. Now, remember I've talked before about the technique of social approval and social disapproval that was first perfected by the guys for the United Nations and used in China. At one time, they used to, for instance, have to send a militia out to grab a woman who was having a second child that was illegal, and they'd drag her off for the abortion. They don't have to do that now, and I've read the articles from the Chinese papers, because the, the local people uh, will, will actually do it for you. Your neighbors will take off the woman. They'll drag her to the abortion clinic because she's antisocial. That's a creation of approval and disapproval in psychological 
uh, indoctrination terminology. So this is part of it too, because if they can use this for this technique on the public to get them to harass people on the internet, they can eventually use the same technique. It's the same technique actually. But they can use it for any political dissident as well, and that will come. Someone who is described as uh, anti-social, doing an anti-social act or whatever. And I'll put this link up on my site too. It's from the New York Times about human flesh search engines in China. That's what they're calling them, where they hunt people down on the Internet like massive posses and really go at them. And, and of course, they give them something viable at first to get it all going, something that we'd all object to. But really, it's going to be it's a big experiment to see if they can now use this kind of thing on the Internet to target dissident people. That's really what it's for. And the folk who are following all this and into it, the, the, the mob is always, the mob always <laughs> have no brain of their own. They don't realize they're being used. The mob never does. The, the mob, mind you, never ever benefits from anything, but the mob never knows that. They're always used. Always, always used. Now, part of the big Agenda 21 agreement, uh, many parts of it have already been implemented. That's the agenda for the 21st century that all countries signed on to under the United Nations uh, was for not only massive depopulation but also massive deindustrialization. They're turning off ur urban areas back to the so-called wilderness and what's the remaining people as the populations are reduced going into the cities uh, which will be gradually um, again destroyed in the outskirts. It gets smaller and smaller up to the year 2050 when they get their ideal population left. I suppose that's what they're all about. But part of it, too, is to uh, start getting us trained not to have the energy that we've got now, the energy supplies or electricity, people's businesses, and all the rest of it as well. And Britain, of course, being the flagship for a lot of this stuff that's going on in the world with all the copy. Britain uh, has an article on part of this and it's from the Telegraph. How will David Cameron keep the lights on? Neither of the main parties seem to have any idea how we're to meet the looming shortfall in power, warns Christopher Booker, 6th of March. It says, um, as an election approaches, two issues should transcend all others. One, obviously, is what the parties propose to do about the £178 billion deficit in government spending. Well, I won't go there. But another equally terrifying, as this column has warned for years, is what's to be done to the, the fast-looming crisis in Britain's electricity supplies. With 40% of her generating capacity due to disappear in the next few years, 40% of their generating capacity. You thought it was all about carbon output and all that stuff, all that nonsense. No, to train you into poverty. That's what it's for. It says as 14 of our major nuclear and coal-fired power stations are forced to close they're forcing them all to close down. How do the parties propose to keep Britain's lights on and our computer-dependent economy functioning? That's already happening in Canada, too, because there's a, a Pickering power plant in Ontario, and they said they were not going to upgrade it or keep it going, which means we get less and less power as, as we get trained and trained and trained. That's what the smart meters are for, too. Eventually, there's a quota system on the, on the smart meter. They'll cut you off and you go over your allocated quota. Who put that into being? Who was the guy who started the kickoff for Canada? Mr. Maurice Strong at the United Nations. They brought him in from there into Ontario. He was the head, uh, put in head of the project to privatize all our systems, which we paid for by our tax money 
and of course his pals got the presents for peanuts, but also it was to it was to start bringing down our consumption of energy, as they called it, to train us into austerity. That was 20 years ago. The energy policy of the Conservative Party appears to rest on four main pillars. The first is that electricity companies should not be allowed to replace those coal-fired power stations which help provide us with 35% of our electricity unless new ones are fitted with a system to pipe off their CO2 emissions and bury them under the North Sea. Can you believe this nonsense? The government has allocated some £4 billion for four new plants to pioneer this unproven technology. To be, <laughs> I love this. Unproven technology can be quite the bubble, bubbles under the sea, to be paid for by all of us through electricity bills. But the Tories say that no new plants should be permitted unless carbon capture is already in place. The only problem is that two recent studies have shown why carbon capture and storage on this scale is simply not physically possible. Two academic petroleum experts in Texas, Michael and Christine Economy, have shown that it's impossible to inject such huge quantities of CO2 into underground aquifers, 20,000 tonnes a day, for a one gigawatt power station without fracturing the surrounding rock, making further injection impossible. What's the old stuff? You put gas into something, it's going to blow it up, isn't it? This finding is confirmed in a study by the Grantham Institute at Imperial College. I'm not a lot. It's beautiful, isn't it? Simple physics, but ten millions have proven it. <laughs> Back with more after this week. Through the matrix. I'll go to the phones now, and it's Dave from Arizona. There, Are you there, Dave. Hello, Dave. How are you? Not so bad. Um, you know, it's funny. I mean, the Agenda 21 thing it kind of goes along with uh, the housing market crash and yep. bad economics and so forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if, if you think about it, now people are going to be so burned by the experience of owning a house that. They probably won't want to own one. Well, the agenda is eventually that all private property, as we know it, with the small landlords, and so will all be abolished, and it's to be the big multi-chain landlords only, big corporations that that'll be in bed with government, public-private partnerships, and that's what's to rule our lives, so that you can never have property again. They've said in the manifestos that the communists, and of course the UN as well, uh, that uh, same thing actually that um, uh, abolition of private property is a, a main tenet of their organization because it gives you... People fight for property. They'll fight for the land. They'll fight for their home. But when you don't own anything, there's less impetus or reason to fight for it. So that's... You're quite right, yeah. Uh, uh, kind of like uh, the vision you get from reading 1984? Yes. You yeah. know, I mean, it's like a small, dumpy apartment. It's like a dirty, toxic city, and it's like... One screen <laughs> constantly on. Yes, and you'll be watched wherever you go, and you'll see Big Brother's face on a screen when you walk in the, the lobby. They come up to your apartment, you'll be at the top of the stairs, you'll be in your room. And uh, this is all part of the techniques that totalitarian regimes have always used, yeah. And, and you know, one more thing, it's kind of a an ode to the Western male. You know, it's kind of like, I think the average 
the first marriage average divorce rate is around 45 percent. It's and, probably even higher. Yeah. yeah. I, I know the promiscuity even in marriage. Why, why should they stop being promiscuous when they're married? It, it doesn't stop there. Not when they've been conditioned to. It's no big deal, as it's often said today. Uh, uh, you know, dropping your pants is no big deal, and that's both women and men say it today. So why should they stop when they're married? It doesn't stop now. In fact, that was also part of what Wells hoped would happen, and he knew would happen. It says if you can encourage most of the women to go into the workforce, and they'll spend most of their day with other males, and only maybe a couple of hours at night with their own husband, and so that would help to abolish marriage. Right, because, yeah, I mean, especially when you look at the role models for women. Oh, yes, I know. Uh, You know, they're all sluts. (laughs) Well, that's it. I, I, someone sent me some of the, the, one, of the uh, one of the awards, the Grammy Awards or whatever, for the best female uh, ones. They were all dressed like prostitutes. And what was interesting, too, is they all had stormtrooper guys dancing around them with the SWAT team stuff on, like big milk. So it's very cool now to be under martial law. It's sexy, I guess. That's the whole thing. And, uh, and a, lot, a lot of Masonic imagery, too, flash in front of your face through all the stuff to get the youth really fascinated. That's what it's all for, the occult, is to fascinate the youth that intrigues them. But sex and the violence now with totalitarianism apparently is very sexy and you can get awards. And it's also a part of the, the, the destruction of um, the age groups. The communists said they'd have to abolish the, the bonding and transmission of ideas between old and young. And the best way to do it was to create a, a young generation, a, a youth image, that's what we have now. Now people are terrified to get old. They'll spend fortunes to look young. And uh, anyone who's older is obsolete. You, you don't get listened to. You're, you're no, no, nothing to say to the public. You're out of the picture. That's they'll the mi- message we've got today. They'll miss out on the wisdom of the older people. Absolutely. And you don't learn anything that way when no wisdom's transmitted. Easy to manage. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you. 